Hey everybody, Jeff here with JFree906 and the Expedition Bigfoot. What do we call it? I'm calling this Mission Bigfoot and the Cryptid Phenomenon. And I got two co-hosts here tonight, John Edwards and Mike Owen. How are you guys doing? John, you're on mute Good. still. Doing great. So I tell you what, and, I'm, and I will be coming up with a new intro. I, I ran out of time this week to try to get a new one made. Uh, that's more in relation to what we're doing. Um, but man, I, I'm I'm really excited. I've been I've been excited. Mike, Mike got me started on this whole thing. <laughs> Mike Owen, uh, when I was going out to Phenomicon um, last year, Mike said, "Jeff, you got to sit down and talk to the folks from Expedition Bigfoot, uh, Dr. Mariah Mayer, Ronnie LeBlanc." Uh, Mr. Uh, Russell Accord and Bryce Johnson, Jeff Meldrum. You got to talk to these people and see what they, and I, once I did, I, I thought, okay, I got to look into this. I really got to dig into this. So, and, and I really, I'm so glad you guys are here and Mike, you're going to be our, you're going to be our man of knowledge. Cause you, you got more. <laughs> I'll so, do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> And John, you've got some information on this too. I know you uh, are a researcher in your own right. As we get started here, I want to give a chance for Mike and John to introduce themselves to those who may not know you already. Most people out here do. Let's start with Mr. Mike Owen. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got like it started in this whole cryptid thing and you know Bigfoot. Sure. So I um, I'm from Iowa. Uh, it's currently snowing um, and cold and windy. And yes, we choose to live here. I know, Jeff. It's down in Florida. Um, I am a mechanical engineer uh, by trade and schooling. And, um, you know, it's funny uh, talking about how how folks get introduced to this type of stuff. I sure hope that Leonard Nimoy and the producers of the show In Search of No what an impact they had to mm. generations of people because yeah. that introduced me to Bigfoot, to UFOs, to all kinds of different stuff um, that I got interested in. Um, and with, with the, in relation to, to Bigfoot, um, you know, it's just, just been around forever, ever since the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, uh, you know, anytime you see that, I think it's the second most watched film in history, only second to, uh, the JFK assassination. Um, mm. So, so once you see that, you know, a lot of questions get raised. What is this? It's a mystery, you know, and with a, with a scientific background, um, that's what always interests me, um, whether it's Skinwalker Ranch or um, a cryptid um, that, that we're looking into, whether it's Bigfoot or, or whatever. It's what is the evidence? What's the data say? Uh, mm. What are the theories and do they hold up? Um, Getting into Bigfoot for me, um, I, you know, we were, my wife and I like to like to talk about it from time to time. And for a while there with all the different shows that were on and, and different studies that were done, just, we were kind of like you, Jeff, just kind of on the fence, not really sure what to make of it. And I happened to catch uh, an, at the, uh, one of the episodes of Sasquatch Chronicles, it was episode 500 with Les Stroud. And uh, I'd oh, seen wow. Les, Les Stroud's Bigfoot series. He did one season mm -hmm. and it was pretty good. And um, what I learned in that, in that um, podcast episode was that he didn't show everything that happened. 
there was a lot more that happened. And and we we learned this as as we're fans of various shows, whether it's Oak Island or Skinwalker. There's a lot that doesn't get shown. You learn exactly. so much more, so yep. much more when you're engaged, you know, outside of just the show. There's so much more to it. And he had a lot of experiences that mm-hmm. that he was afraid to put on film, and didn't think would get he, he wouldn't get it aired. Right. So he he watered it down. Um, which was which is unfortunate. It is. And, yeah. and Les Stroud, I mean, I, that's Survivor Man, if pe- people don't know who yep. Les is. Yep. A survivalist and kind of created a genre. You kind of, in that podcast, you kind of got to get past some of the, the technical talk and he gets to the stories about Bigfoot. Um, but but in my opinion, uh, he's he's a pretty credible source. Yeah. So I'm not going to discount anything he says. And that introduced me to Wes Germer's Sasquatch Chronicles. Mm-hmm. I started listening to that, um, almost immediately became a member. And the Sasquatch Chronicles, I think, is at 900, almost 930 episodes. Wow. So 930 episodes. On each episode, he'll have sometimes only one, usually two, sometimes three different witnesses. Mm-hmm. To tell their story. And I've listened, I actually went backwards, started with the most recent, I went backwards and I catch up with the new ones as they come out. I'm only down to 400. So I've only listened to 530 different stories. Wow. So so that's a thousand, over a thousand different accounts. Um, So I, I, my, at some point, kind of like you, Jeff, as you were talking to folks that, that know a lot more about this, at some point, as I'm listening to these folks tell these different tales, I'm and and of course I'm 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 a data guy, so I'm logging things as I hear it, and I'm stacking up the the different experiences. And every time I hear something that's almost the same from story to story, uh-huh. I'm like, wait a minute, this that's <laughs> very very common. What is going on? Yeah. The one thing that I that that really um, sold me. The, the one thing, it was the one thing that I was not prepared for. It never even occurred to me the, um, the level of trauma. These people mm. have been traumatized. They have PTSD. Clear signs oh, no. of it. You can't, I mean, that's very difficult to fake. If I mean, you, you go through all the different, you know, how, if these stories, are these made up? Are these people just, you know, telling, just trying to get, you know, on the air and stuff, whatever. And, and again, with that much information, 927 shows uh-huh. with multiple people per show, at some point, the idea of, well, maybe he just has a troop of actors and they're just, they're just, they go through them and they make this stuff up. I, it doesn't hold water. There's too many people from too many different backgrounds, all education levels, all over the United States, it's not a it's not a Northwest United States problem. It's right. not a Canada problem. It's all over the United States. It's all over the world, really. Yep. Um, my data set is a little bit more concentrated to to United States uh-huh. uh, from that standpoint. So that's where I'm like, okay, what else is out there? You know, I, I've I've listened to David Politis, Missing mm-hmm. 411. He has an excellent Bigfoot 101 video series that he's yeah. he's been doing recently that's got excellent information so i just started looking for credible sources and i had seen expedition bigfoot in the past 
And um, uh, as you were getting to go out there, I'm like, boy, you, if if you're on the fence, talk to somebody that knows, talk to somebody that has a lot of data yep. and, and listen to them. And those experts are going to tell you, I don't know what it is, but there's something to this. Mm-hmm. So let's go figure it out. Yep. And so here I am. Yeah, I, I tell you what, and you're so correct on all of that, uh, you know, and uh, and that that's and when we get to my part, I'll ex- kind of explain uh, my 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 thoughts on the whole thing. But uh, let's jump over to John. John, what do you think? I mean, you know, what got you interested in this? Well, cryptids I've been looking at for some time. Uh, what's interesting is, is, you know, and what Mike is saying is repeatable, 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 repeatable. Uh-huh. And when you can see the same patterns, the same noises, the same the same phenomena happening. You know, there's got to be something to it. So I'm always looking at phenomena and, and trying to see if it's repeatable. And then the question is, you're seeing the effect. What is the cause of that phenomena? And it is a, a, a cryptid or not? You know, something's making a noise or something's making a sound or something's trying to communicate. Um, you know, up until uh, several years ago, they thought the giant squid out, out of Japan, off the coast of Japan, was, you know, the giant squid was uh, a cryptid. It was mythological. Yep. No yep. one had seen one it's still in, until, you know, one washed up on shore. And then they actually went diving. And now they, they've actually, you know, taken submarines down to a point where they can actually watch the giant squid in its natural habitat, which wasn't known until quite recently. Exactly. Now, seafarers, you know, over time had reported these creatures. You know, that can engulf ships and the Kraken and things like that. And it's wrapped up in a bit of mythology. But even Kraken, I know, even mythology, you know, there's always a grain of truth in it. And it's based on something. So, right. you know, being a comparative mythologist also with, you know, looking at, you know, religion, secret societies and the right. things I do, you know, yep. it, it runs along the same vein of thought, you know, what's consistent with it, right. you know, and, and can you prove it? And so you're looking at the, uh, you know, we're looking at the effects of whatever's producing this phenomena. And now we're asking ourselves scientifically, what's the cause of it? Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really where it comes down to. And, uh, and for me, and I, and I want to, I want to say hi to a few folks that are popping sure. in here real quick, and then I'll get to my part of this, but um, yeah, we've got some of our many regulars and I appreciate you guys very much for coming here. Paul is here. Bass is here. Dina is here. Christy Jeff's in the house. Oh, uh, my goodness. Uh, let's see. Who else we got here? There's a lot of folks have joined us. And Seth Bounds here. Um, let's see. Who else we got? Uh, let's see. Scroll, I'm scrolling and scrolling. Christy There's so here. much. Wade is here. Cat. San Delaray. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Tom Burns. Hey, Tom. Tom Burns. Linda. Uh, Eva. All right. Eva. My buddy, Eva. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, we're going to be out at Phenomicon. Miriam's here. Hey, Miriam. And Miriam, I tell, I tell you, uh, and this is part of what I wanted to talk about also, is that the kind of a, um, for those of you who don't know yet, I have a Discord channel. Uh, and if you want to join the Discord channel, the link is in below, down in the description of the show. Uh, and we have got three channels on the Discord side. I've got the Skinwalker Ranch, of course. Uh, I have the Curse of Oak Island chat over there because, you know, I do that all the time. And we've got the Beyond Our World or B-O-W. It says B-O-W, uh, but it stands for Beyond Our World. So we can do chat over there, voice chat, text chat. Just join. It's free. There's no cost to it at all. 
Uh, well, there's mm-hmm. a cost that you have to listen to me sometimes. That's the cost of it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it, it's completely free. There's voice chat and there's also text chat. You can join that and, and have some fun. Uh, that's where we can do some discussion. We also have the Beyond Our World Facebook group page. Uh, which is in also linked down below if you want to join that. Um, and it that covers anything that's like what we might consider beyond our world, which is where that this all fits right in. Uh, Miriam just started a Facebook group page. Um, and I think uh, Miriam, give us a type in there real quick what the name of it is. Um, and uh, I'm going to have Miriam's going to be coming on the show with us at some mm-hmm. point and give us uh, her uh, information that she has uh, witnessed, uh, experiences. I'll call her an experiencer. Uh, so yeah. So, and that's what part of what we're going to do here. Uh, this, this show is about, uh, expedition Bigfoot. Of course, we're mm-hmm. going to talk a little bit about season one and two here. Not going to go into a lot of depth into each episode, but we're going to talk about season one and two, uh, my Bigfoot diaries. Thank you. Uh, that's the uh, Facebook group page that Miriam just started. So check that out as well. Um, and then we're also going to really dive into season three of Expedition Bigfoot, which I think is uh, the best one yet. Um, they filmed uh, season four out in Alaska. And so that one's going to be coming out here. When does that start? Does anyone know for sure? Is it March or April on Travel Channel? I'm not sure exactly, but we'll let you yeah. know if you guys don't know already, but we'll let you know. Um, and then we're going to also talk and have experiencers who feel like coming on, we're going to have you come on as well and talk to us and tell your story. If you want to, you can call in. I can do it through Discord. I can have you talk through Discord so you don't have to actually dial a number. Um, You can join us through Discord, uh, the Discord channel, or you can come on with us if you want to be on camera and come on and tell your story with us. So we're going to be doing that as we go along here with this series. And, you know, and for me, let me tell my part. I'm, I'm a Bigfoot skeptic. Okay, I've always been on the fence with Bigfoot, but I tell you, honestly, for me, this is my platform here to research this cryptid phenomenon. Um, I, I met with, with all the folks of Expedition Bigfoot when I was at Phenomicon. I got to sit and have breakfast with Russell Accord and really kind of ask him a lot of questions and dive into this whole thing. After listening to Dr. Mariah, uh, Maria, sorry, Dr. Maria Mayer, listening to her give her talk when she presented up on stage and about her and how she has basically followed in the footsteps, footsteps of Jane Goodall, I was like, oh my goodness, this woman has such a background. And you take all the, and we'll get into this as we go along tonight, but all the witness testimonies, 50 years in just the United States alone, over 50 years, there's been over 10,000 experience sightings. Bigfoot, 10,000. Are every single one of them nuts? Are they all crazy? Or, or, or is it a, did they see a bear or a shadow and get all scared? Maybe some of them, but not all of them. It's, it's got to be something more to this. And that's what I want to do here with this is really investigate this. That's what this is all about. And that's where I stand on this. So Mike, Mike talked me into it and I thought, well, we got to do this and we got to, we got to go for it. And then, you know, and like I said, at some point I want to really talk to you, some of you folks out there 
uh, and really interact with you guys about what you think and what you have seen or heard or experienced. That's really where I want to go with this as well. So we're going to make it a multifolded uh, podcast when we get into this really deep. Um, I wanted to say hi to a few more people. I saw uh, William is here. William, I know some of the folks that are in the Discord channel, we've talked quite a bit already um, about all kinds of stuff. And uh, I really appreciate that. Taylor is here. Hi, Taylor. Uh, Taylor's been on. She's an insider. She's been on the show before when we had our Insiders Insights. Uh, the Scottish wild man. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Dina, Vesta, uh, David. David's here again. And Robin, Mystic Witch, Cat, uh, of course. Uh, man, all right. Quite a few names. And uh, so I really appreciate all of you coming. And I really want to do my best, as you hear me say, those of you who come to most of my podcast, AO is here too, um, that you've heard me say before, I really want to do my best to try to watch the chat uh, and really react and talk with you guys. If you have questions, you have comments, please feel free to jump on there and I will do my very best with Mike's help and with John's help to try to uh, answer your questions or show your comments because that's really what this is all about. So I really appreciate it. Robert's here too. Hey, Robert, Deanna. Um, who else we got in here? Man, oh man, there's a lot of people in here. Already. I really do appreciate you folks all for coming tonight. Um, freedom. Buried them, buried them camping. Uh, too many insights. They can't all be lying. That's exactly right. Yeah, the the, the odds are against it. Yep. Odds are against it. Oh, Statistically, some of it has to be real. Sister skeptic as well. That's my sister there. So, yeah, she's a skeptic as well. So that's what we're going to be diving into. So, um, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, to start things off, let's talk a little bit about expedition bigfoot seasons one and two we'll kind of get into this a little bit and uh some of the stuff that they use um to try to i mean think about some of the electronics i'm one of these kind of people that i like to go out into the woods and just sit and be quiet and just observe and listen you can't see much when it's dark of course if the moon is out you can but I, that's kind of the way I like to do things. Yes, it's nice to have a thermal imaging camera and stuff like that with you. But yeah, talk about some of the electronics that people have had in this to try to do some investigations. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, they um, of course they employ a lot of um, of thermal imaging cameras and binoculars, uh, infrared, um, and and they typically have those uh, with them on their person. And then Bryce is kind of the tech guy. Um, the, the other three are out in the field and he will kind of see how things are going. And based on how things are going, he'll pull in additional resources. And, um, whether that's, uh, just to bring in a, a drone to do a LIDAR scan, mm -hmm. um, so that they can see where game trails are, yeah. um, and, yep. and possible places to go, you know, investigate. I've got a picture or, of that. I'm going to bring that up while you're talking. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Habitat. Um, They've also had, uh, at one point, they had a blimp um, yes, that yes. was controllable and mm -hmm. had thermal on it, and it was able to get up and see quite a bit um, uh, and, and was transmitting live so that they could kind of see what was going on, too. Right. Um, yep. And then uh, they, they had, it was interesting, it was called a, it was a tethered drone, which uh, is, has a cable attached to the drone, but because it's cable connected that's power 
and data transfer. So it can stay aloft for 12 hours as long as the battery pack will allow and the battery pack is down on the ground. Yep. Um, so that that was pretty impressive um, for them to be able to get uh, eyes in the sky and see in thermal. Um, so they, they seem to have a wide range of things. Um, I know at one point they brought in a magnetic loop antenna um, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not as familiar with that technology. Yeah, I'm not either, but, uh, it, it was uh, supposed to be able to, um, all living creatures give off some kind of a signal. Um, we, we know that, and that's what this, this antenna was supposed to be able to, to help show. And it, where it, it indicated that there was something, whether it's Bigfoot or not, uh, we don't know, but where they indicated that there should be something is also where they had experiences. So it correlated, uh, at least from that standpoint. So yep. uh, really impressive, uh, the type of stuff that they can get in and then experts that they pull in to help analyze some of their findings. Yeah. And that picture I had up here, Kat was asking me to bring it back up. Uh, this is a LIDAR, a LIDAR, sorry, LIDAR yep. image of the area that they were working in season one. And you can see it removes all the vegetation. So you can see the ground effects underneath, underneath the foliage. And you get a look at these are game trails. Yep. So and, and quite often if you're in the woods, most most of us who have the uh, opportunity to walk around in the woods very much, you will notice little seems like a path going through certain areas in between the trees. And if you watch and you'll see if you really check those paths out, you can see like deer prints. Um wolf prints maybe prints of different animals that utilize that path to get through the forest to wherever it is they're going um game trails that's exactly what they are now anything they're going to take the path of least resistance rather than going through all the brush and obviously that's what's showing on this particular scan so if you're going to want to go out and look for a, a bigfoot or anything else this is probably a good place to watch especially an animal who might use or eat other animals a carnivore mm -hmm. is going to be hanging out somewhere near these so that's going to be your his source of food going by um so yep. you would think about it in that re uh, sense as well yeah they they also uh it was it was good to see anytime uh, of course I'm, I'm big on science so mm -hmm. uh eDNA environmental DNA yes um, that's a new technology where they take samples of soil, um, or, or they can take, you know, and, and essentially it's, it's scanning that sample for anything, any yep. DNA at all, right. and then match it in the database to, uh, to what animals may be in the area. So, uh, they, they did, did some, some pretty interesting work with eDNA. Yeah, that's that's something that they brought up in in uh, season one also, and I thought I had never heard of that before until they were talking yep. about it. I'm that's a very good explanation of it. Thank you for that. Um, obviously, that's uh, really a, an interesting concept there as well, and and it's kind of funny when they take the not funny but interesting when they take like the hair samples, mm -hmm. um, and they go get them tested. And that that one gentleman, and I did not write this down, but he was talking about the the. A hair sample and then looking at it under a microscope you can see the like the vein that runs through it i forgot medulla yes and how some of them that they were looking at and they can tell what it is generally mm -hmm. the animal by that 
and some that they had didn't have one at all. Yeah. Yeah. The Bigfoot hair doesn't have a medulla. Right. Um, it, it also has um, much heavier scales uh, under microscope, but they look like scales. I, I, they probably right. have a yeah, yeah, yeah. technical yep. term, but it's much thicker and heavier. Uh, again, David Pilates has a good, a good episode hmm. in his Bigfoot 101 series on that, uh, explaining why that looks different. Um, but, you know, the, again, this is a scientific community has trouble with stuff like this because in, you, you can't tell what it is until you have one, but you, you can't, you can't have one to know what it is kind of thing. It's a chicken and the egg thing. Yeah. So, so they won't identify it. They, they won't categorize it because they don't have something, they don't have a standard. And, and I know Dr. Moran talks about that is that they're once, uh, I think she, didn't she discover the smallest known primate? Yes. yes. Is what, what she's known for. Um, yep. And I believe she did so without killing it. Yes. That's important. Wow. She was because holding one in that her doesn't, hand. That doesn't <laughs> typically happen um, in, in science. Um, it's usually you have to kill a female and a male and mm -hmm. bring them in and they go through the whole thing. And, and then that's your standard. Well, if there's nothing, nothing to match it against because you don't have one, um, it just, it makes it very difficult. So it's unknown. Um, but, but, you know, Dr. Jeff Meldrum certainly knows what to look for. Yeah. Um, he's, he's very, very good. And I, I, uh, that was one of, one of my other sources is his, his book, um, Sasquatch meets, uh, science meets, uh, Bigfoot. Is it, uh, mm -hmm. it? legend meets science, Sasquatch legend meets science, Dr. Yes. Jeff Meldrum. Yeah. Um, excellent information. Some of it's over my head cause it's more medical based. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more, uh, you know, uh, push a rod, pull a rope kind of guy. Uh, so I don't, I don't understand necessarily all the, the anatomy, but, um, but you know, that's something that, that I find interesting is that it's the experts that are the ones that tend to, um, they, they tend to freak out a little bit, but he, he kind of talks about that in his book is that when he does have people that really know their, uh, they have a very specialized field, um, regardless of what it is, those specialized, that specialized field, they'll see something and they'll realize that this isn't something just every, every Tom, Dick and Harry on, on the street knows about, right? This, mm -hmm. this can't be faked. This has to be real. And that's the point where they, they are like, Oh my God. The, the, there's got to be something to this. And then they either get excited and, and help, or they're like, my name can't be associated with this. I'm yeah, exactly. And and that's, gone. that's the sad so, part of it right there. They're afraid to associate themselves with something yeah. like that. And that's the wrong way to look at it. They're like, Oh, people, Bigfoot. Oh, I, don't, you know, I don't want to have yeah. anything to do with that because they're going to think I'm crazy. Well, it's the same thing we're talking about that happened with the UFOs. For many, many years, right. nobody wanted to bring up UFOs. The science was being dumbed down or not being investigated simply because, oh, they're tinfoil hat people thinking about UFOs. Now look at it. Yeah, you know, right. now what's happening with it? And it's really coming out now. I mean, heck, are, is our country shooting them down now? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other subject that we won't get into tonight. But it's the same concept. Mm -hmm. Study it open it up and start studying it. And, 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 and they're afraid to, because again, there's a, well, there's no bones, there's no bodies, there's no, you know, whatever. So we can't. Um, Jeff, I got something I, and robot brought it up. Um, use of night vision technology. 
Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. is that being used at these these sites? And then the second, what kind of commonalities do you find that repeats itself in the investigations themselves? Yeah, night there's, there's being used. Go ahead. Come on, yeah, go the, ahead. they definitely have night vision. I mean, I, if you're talking infrared uh, or thermal, thermal. Um, I love the thermal uh, stuff. Thermal. Yeah, the the thermal shows up shows up uh, a lot better. I think the infrared um uh, maybe out on the field isn't isn't quite as good you typically see them using thermal um more often just because the, the it's easier to spot um the warm warm bodies uh against the cold in the mm. vegetation that they're in um you know the so specifically the about the capturing things pictures on video um whether it's trail cams or um uh, you know, any kind of pictures, whether cell phones, anything. Um, I, I think Tom had asked a question. Tom Burns had asked a question. Why do we think we don't have more pictures? Um, there's, there's definitely uh, information or, or there's definitely consistent. They consistently can avoid that. So what happened with the Patterson-Gimlin film? Mm -hmm. Well, that's 1967, October 20th, 1967, Northwest California. Guess what they didn't have on them? They they had a video camera, a movie camera uh -huh. with film. They had no electronics in 1967. That was a spring-driven camera. Those were crank. You cranked them. If you ran out of crank, you ran out of film, right? Yep. Yep. They had no electronics on them. That's a, a very interesting data point to me is uh -huh. that we can't – We I mean, they almost use um, uh, game, game trails, uh, game cameras – as deterrence to Bigfoot for people that have problems with Bigfoot. If it's a habituation site where they're constantly coming back and bugging them mm -hmm. or stealing their chickens or, you know, taking their goats, whatever they say, put up trail cams, you they'll, they won't come back and they don't somehow they, they either, whether they can sense the electronics or they can see in infrared. That's one thing that I've, I've noticed in a lot of the information that I've seen the, the, first-hand reports and some other people have indicated that Bigfoot can see in infrared. So the flashlights uh, that, that they're using that are IR lights for the cameras, it, yep. it looks like a visual, you know, just as bright as anything else. Right. And I think that might be possible. And that, that's something that I, you know, I, again, you know, being a skeptic and looking at this, uh, you know, from that vantage point, you don't see those. You see, you know, you see trail cams of deer and bears and wolves and all these different kind of animals walking by, tripping off that trail cam, but you never see this. And, and, and part of that is, I think that, is it possible that if Bigfoot exists, that it can see that infrared? Um, that, that, you know, and I, I you know, it, it's one of those, if you, if you do, and I've done a lot of paranormal investigations where I'm using infrared cameras and infrared lights and it, it's very bright. If you look at a, a, a light down the hallway, that's an infrared light down the hall and you're looking at it with a camera that picks up infrared, it's, it's like somebody shining a flashlight directly at you. I mean, it is that bright. And those trail cams, when they're when they're set up, I mean that's what they're emitting. And it's it, yeah. if it, if they can see it, that's a trigger right there. Oh, I'm going around that thing. You know, I'm no, not going to walk. That makes front. sense though, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. bats, for instance, use what echolocation, mm -hmm. you know, which is what the modern day radar is based on. 
you know, yeah. so why couldn't Bigfoot have the same type of, you know, genetic right. disposition to do something like that? I mean, it's plausible. Right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Know? That's one of the things, too, that when the I like the infra or the uh, heat, um, the thermal, thermal. imaging. Um, to yeah. me, the thermal imaging is really, really interesting. Um, and there's some in episode or season one uh, and in season two, um, Russell Accord was using that quite a bit. Um, and he would set up, he had like the uh, uh, thermal binoculars and he had them set up on a tripod and he's watching, but he also had it tied to his phone so he could sit there and move it around and look on his phone. Um, and I've got some of the pictures from that that I snapped from the sh from the season watching some of this. And it's so interesting to me that he can be looking at and there was one and I'm gonna, I'll bring up the picture here real quick. Uh, there was one of them that he was watching and it was a huge blob yeah. type figure that was moving. Yeah. And I got the picture right here of it. Um, and they didn't know what this was, but it was a huge blob and you can see the silhouette around it. Now, as this heat signature was moving you could see that it was actually like stepping over a log and yes there were logs over in that spot because they went back the next day and took a look at it and you could see the logs on the ground and you could see where it looked like it was swinging arms were swinging yeah. on the sides right here mm, and it was yeah. like it stepped up. so it was definitely something walking upright and there was arm movement and leg movement as it was stepping over as they were watching this thing, or as he was watching this thing, it was it, and, and then he saw a deer. And I think I've got a, actually got a shot of the deer uh, right there. There was a shot mm -hmm. of a deer. Now, why does that deer not light up with a heat signature? Because of the fur. You can see the outline. There, mm -hmm. there is some heat there, but it's not generating that yeah. big, bold red or yellow light. It's because of its fur. Hmm. Now, the deer saw this thing. After it disappeared, or during that time, the deer saw it and bolted the other direction. Uh, it took off, and and so and this right here was a picture showing. That, that Russell. was fantastic. It is. Yeah, that's Russell a that's a super superimposed two pictures. Yes, it's two pictures put side by side, uh, from the same place, basically the same right. spot. You can see the yep. logs right here on the ground. This one is the unknown. This one is Russell Accord. He went back and, out there the next night and had them film this. And Jeff, you met Russell. Is Russell a small guy? No, he's not. A, he's <laughs> about six, six, one, right? Around. He's about the same height as me, but he's yeah, twice he's built. Big. Me. I mean, the dude is, the dude is, you know, yeah. He's like a bodybuilder, dude. I mean, he's, he's big. Yeah. he could snap me in half. Let's put it that way. Uh, pretty, pretty easily. This look at the size of this blob here compared to him. Much bigger than Russell is. Mike, what what kind of heat signature would that be from? Would that be a? I mean, it looks humanoid. Well, uh, and a biped for sure. You know. Yeah, the they what had um, they actually had Ben Hansen do an analysis. Ben's actually uh, a thermal mm -hmm. imaging. Um, that's his background is thermal imaging, mm -hmm. um, and he actually did a comparison with a friend of his that was walking out of and in a field, kind of like. Mm -hmm. uh, Russell was, and then he had his friend take his shirt off and the heat signature, the heat. Uh, so it's just, it's measuring the temperature essentially. And so it's a temperature differential between what it's seeing and, uh, the environment around it. It's, it's how big of a difference there is. And, and when the guy took his shirt off, it bloomed too bright. It was too red. It was brighter than 
the, the unknown here. So it has to be somewhere between Russell with a coat on and a human male with his shirt off, which we know Bigfoot is known to have hair. So not as thick mm. as what a deer would be. So that was a very interesting comparison is that you're getting that, um, you're getting a heat signature, but it's not as bright as bare skin from a human. Um, it's less than that. And it's not as faint as the deer. And Bigfoot are known to have, you know, varying descriptions of, of a coat or hair, fur. It's more like hair than fur, but that would account for it not being as bright um, as bare skin. But the fact that it's that large compared to him, and that was from the same location, um, to me, that was good. And then Russell also, the, he, he mentions this, I think, in one of the, the, the season reviews, is watching that thing disappear. Yes. It, it, it was almost like a straight line. It was like it went behind a straight line and it was gone, just completely gone. Wasn't like it faded in the woods and you could see bits and pieces of it because right. you should have been able to see it go back into the woods if that's the direction it went. It just flat out disappeared. Right. He had a hard time explaining that. And that and that brings up so many questions. I wanted to answer, try to answer um, uh, Vesta's question there. She asked the question of why, if, if the Bigfoot is covered in hair, then why would it have such a prominent heat signature? And they tried to explain this on the show that if, if again, if this is a Bigfoot creature, um, they were speculating as to whether or not it would be, have been a pregnant female and carrying extra heat and, and also the front of it not being as, or the, you know, the torso area generating so much heat. Sorry about that. That's my, the guy that drives by here every single day, four times a day, um, he generating so much heat in the abdomen area, which is your head and your abdomen generate the most of your heat in your body, that that's what they were thinking, that it was so much heat being generated that it just flowed, came right through the, the fur yeah. and did not cover it up and hide it. But the point that Mike was just making, and this is what I, it just caught me when I watched this, they showed this and he kept filming this particular whatever it is, animal mm -hmm. biped was walking on two feet. They filmed it as it continued. And it did it. It was like it slipped into a, a it went into a house or something. It mm. just all of a sudden it just went yeah. and it like it went behind a wall, like it went behind a wall. Yep. And if it would have, and that was woods back there, it was all trees. So you would have seen it. If it would have disappeared behind a tree, you would have seen it show up on the other side of the tree. And then again, and then again, as it went, but it just simply went zoop and it was gone. It didn't lay down. It didn't, you know, it because you could get down in the foliage and hide. It just simply disappeared into, it faded away into like going into a room or behind a wall. That's where people start to ask the question, is it possible that there are some sort, and I know this is a stretch, but is it possible that they could be going into some sort of a portal or interdimensional being that can move into, thank you very much, Vesta, stepping into another place, for lack of a better word, and disappearing that quickly? And it's happened. And, and, and also, not, did, not only did Russell get this same type of thing, but so did Ronnie LeBlanc. He had the same thing happen when he was following a thermal signature, did the same exact thing. 
Now there was another one that was on season two that I want to bring up real quick. I didn't, I don't have a picture of it. Hmm. There was another instance in season two where Russell was looking at two elk on the side of a hill. This is in mm -hmm. Kentucky when they were in Kentucky. There was two yep. elk on the side of a hill. You could clearly see through the thermal imaging they were elk. They were a, a deer type of a animal. And he said they were elk. You could see the head, the neck, and everything. They were lighting up very bright. And there was a, a the ground cover was a deep, thick forest of some, I forget what he called it, the uh, the vegetation that was brought in and yeah. everything. A vine, yeah. Yeah, some sort of a vining, big leafed plants. But it was very thick. And you could see that all of a sudden you saw this blob-like thing that looked like it was crouched down. It was half of it was sticking up above and the rest of it was down. And it was up the hill a little ways looking mm -hmm. down on the elk. And it was a, it looked like it could very well have been a predator-type creature. Don't know exactly what it was because you were only getting half of it. Now, it eventually, the elk saw it. And then you saw it go down into the foliage and disappeared. Now, that was very clear. It got down into the foliage and then, zip, it was gone. You could not see the heat signature anymore. That was very clear. So you knew what was happening there. But the one that walked behind a wall or into something, yep. how do you explain that? I, I just don't know. Yeah, the the other one in, in season two was the the one Dr. Morea had, the thermal image across the creek. Mm -hmm. um, and it yes. that, one, I, that one was really odd. It didn't necessarily, in my mind, look like anything in particular. It was round. There was kind of a, a straight stripe down below. She initially said she thought that was reflection of the heat signature on the water between wow. her and it. And it was just on the other side of the water. But later on, I, I don't know that she was as, as certain of that. Um, and that was the one that that I think, again, it, it, it bothered her quite a bit because she's looking at this on the thermal camera. It's not far away. I mean that 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 creek or creek is was not not very big. I think Russell and his cameraman ended up walking across it. Um, it was knee deep, um, yep. and she turned on her high power light, and there's nothing there. Yeah. So she assumes at that point what well, must be behind the vegetation. I, I can see the heat coming through the vegetation mm. until the next day when she had Russell go across and go over there and pose. And no, it it. It didn't appear that there was anything between it. She did say it must have had such a large heat signature that it came through and we couldn't see the vegetation. Well, that could be true, or it could have been in front of the vegetation and you couldn't see it visually. You could yeah. only see it on thermal. So yeah. that, that was wow. one that, that they struggle with. Um, yeah, I really interesting Jan, stuff. Yeah, Jan asked a good question here. In uh, Face and hands. They have less hair. Didn't see it swinging. Yeah, no, you did not see. You could right, see no. the, you could see the grayish. And I'm going to bring up this one. This was at a better, actually, a better picture that I had of that um, when Russell went out there. That's Russell, and that's the blob, the unknown. Um, but you're right. You could not see. You could see the grayish. You know, like you see Russell with the coat on and everything here. You could see the grayish coat. It is a heat signature, but a lot less. And you can, but again, you don't see Russell's hands, but yet you can see the grayish part swinging a little bit, but why not the hands? Why not the palms? I, I don't yeah, those, know. Those would have been bare. You're right. That's it would have been bare. So that's a good point. Very good point. Hmm. How tall is that heat signature, Jeff? Or Mike? Oh, 
that I don't, I don't know if it was on something. I mean, like, like Jeff said, uh, Russell's out there. He's six one. So that's gotta be, it's gotta be way higher than, yeah. than any normal report of a big foot. I mean, that, that's at least double or triple that much. Um, yeah. so, so I, but it's hard to tell, you know, that that's the trouble with, with thermal at distances, the definition yeah. in thermal is not as good. Infrared exactly. has better definition, but can't see as far. So you gotta kind of got to take, take, you know, take, uh, the differences between the two. So, um, that was, that was, a it, they had some very, very interesting stuff. And that the, the, the thermal image that Maria got, that's another one. Again, they gave to Ben Hansen and he just came right out and said it. He's like, look, you, you, you could see it on thermal. You couldn't see it with the flashlight on it. We got to bring up the possibility of cloaking and, and they didn't really get into this, but you know, it depends on what you want to define cloaking as, because there's right. lots of different cloaking that, that we could be talking about. Um, you know, different, different animals, whether it's chameleon or octopus, they can change colors. Um, is it, is it, um, you know, bending the light around um, itself so that you see something behind it and you don't see it um, directly? Or is it not fully in our dimension? Uh, is it in a different dimension? Uh, those are all different um, ways to, to quote unquote cloak. Um, and it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have a good explanation. The the comparison they did with Russell and that that big blob was was fantastic. Yeah, Marea's is just really difficult. It did have small uh, heat signatures going up, up above it, um, mm -hmm. coming out of it and going up above. I, again, I what do you make of that? I I don't I, know. I don't. I know. have no idea. Yeah, John, they you were, were talking a little bit about the octopus and stuff earlier. Well, <clears throat> it has a way of not only changing color but also its skin texture to yes. blend with exactly and so if something like the octopus could do it who says there's mammals that don't have similar camouflage capability right you know i'm, I'm not ruling that out you know that, that certain things like that exist in the animal kingdom we're just unaware of it right yeah exactly if, if, and, and you've seen it i know you know i've seen it watching uh, you know uh, octopus and how it would quickly move over to a spot in some rocky area that have like like rocks that are kind of spiky rocks yeah. And all of a sudden, it changes its color to match that, and also the spikiness, and it's gone. Yes. It's simply gone. You cannot see it. If you didn't see it go there, you wouldn't know it was there until you tried to touch it and it fled. So, if it can do that, the possibility that is that other animals, yeah, other animals in the animal kingdom may have that same camouflage capability. Exactly. So I, I. I don't know. Robot's got uh, a good question there about yeah, about bounce. Yep. Yeah, um, that's unfortunate. I, I if you had a bigfoot body, you'd make a lot of money. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, make a lot of money. And, and you know that. Unfortunately, I think that's probably what it would take to prove um, that that they exist. Uh, as Dr. Maria has has shown, you don't have to kill them. Um, to prove that they exist, exactly. Uh, but it takes a lot more evidence uh, to prove. And and let's be clear on terminology or evidence. There's a lot of evidence. That's things like footprints and casts and mm -hmm. hair and, and eDNA and all that type of stuff. Proof is what we don't have. We right. have lots of evidence, and and we have lots of um, firsthand accounts, reports, um, things like that. But yeah, I I don't know if there's specific bounties out there. I'm sure, like I said. Mm -hmm. You'd get a lot of money regardless if you had them, had oh, them yeah. dead or alive. If you had one, 
you make a lot of money. Yeah. And, and my thing in on that too, if I can just throw my part in here, um, why can't we find a disease, a deceased one? I don't know, Tom. I, I that's, that's, that's that question. was my question. Bones. That's the thing that I kept going to, but how often do we see bare bones in the woods? Um, right. nature has a way of making all these things disappear over time. But again, I, I just, that's, that's kind of the thing that I always struggled with is where's the bones, where's the body, where's the skull? Uh, yeah. why can't we find any of these things? I don't know. I, that's, that's what I struggle with all the time. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that, uh, like you just said, Mike, and, and I don't want to look at this as let's go out and hunt them down and try to kill them so we can get proof mm -hmm. and, and be a millionaire because I found a Bigfoot body because I shot it. Yeah. I would rather get the proof in a different way with trying to be, you know, think about the indigenous peoples. Now we yeah. talked about this before. And, and that's one of the things that got me over the course of time was talking about the fact that so many credible eyewitnesses to over 10,050 years of Bigfoot experiencers coming out with their stories. But you take that in one step further, you go back in time to the times of the North American Native American people and also mm -hmm. in Canada, the indigenous folks of Canada. They've got legends that go down for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of actually trading with them and living amongst them. And, you know, they were like another tribe to them, you know, and it, are you just going to discount all of that? I, I don't know. I still struggle with that. I, I can't. What I mean, what do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of different, a lot of different theories and, and, you know, in my mind, the fact that we don't have bones or we don't know what happens with the dead, that's okay. That's part of science, right? We still need to discover that. But just because we haven't doesn't mean they don't exist. That, hmm. that right. you know, um, that, that's one of the, the puzzles that still needs to be solved. And we know that even our own ancestors at some point started to do things with their, their loved ones when they died. They took them places. They did things with them other than just letting them, you know, fall over in the woods and keep on walking. I mean, we know these creatures uh, appear to be very intelligent. It's not um, out of the realm of possibility that they would take them and, and put them someplace that, that we can't find them. It seems like, though, with with all of the um, uh, the folks out, you know, looking and, and just just walking around, at some point somebody would have stumbled upon one. So it is curious. So what are the other possibilities? And I know I've seen in chat here, a, a number of people mentioned, again, mm -hmm. that interdimensional thing um, that that certainly is out there um, mm -hmm. because we know that there's, uh, Bigfoot is just one of many cryptids that are bipedal. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of other things out there that are very hard to explain. Um, and where does all that come from? We don't know. Um, so. Mike, any relation to Gigantopithecus? Possibly. Yeah. Yes. That that's one of the theories um, is that it's a hangover from Gigantopithecus and that <clears throat> that it uh, has just managed to survive um, unseen. Um, the the only issues that I have with that is, um, it, you know, we're talking about bones and finding bones. Do you know how many bones of Gigantopithecus we found? I There's <laughs> one one jawbone. Wow. And about a, and about a thousand teeth. We don't know what they look like. So wow, the pictures right. that you see are guesses. Mm -hmm. um, 
maybe they're right. I don't know. I, I don't know how accurate. Again, I'm not a not a, a, a guy that knows a whole lot about uh, the the body and the way that they reconstruct stuff. But one jawbone and teeth only in China is is seems like um, kind of a stretch for something that Fair big, enough. this long to not to have made it. Um, but again, yep. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it can't be. I'm just saying it's to me, that seems like a lower probability. Okay. Um, so I, and I think that has more, uh, it was the Gigantopithecus is related to the Orang. Um, yes. So yes. that's yep. a different, a different line right. of primate than what we would expect it to be something more like the ape um, in that, in that realm. So I, yeah, that, that one's, I, I know a lot of people, put a lot of weight on that, but I don't know if they realize how little we actually know about Gigantopithecus. So, mm -hmm. And then follow up, uh, Sasquatch, you know, we, we talked pre-show about um, infrasound and, yes. you know, right. and how apex predators use infrasound to strike fear into possible prey. Um, yep. You know, can you talk a little bit about the science of infrasound and how this may play into, you know, sightings of Bigfoot? And if I could real quick before yes. you do that, that, that talking about that infrasound, think about a tiger or a lion or one of those type yes. of animals that has that low rumble growl, you know, that low rumble. Does that not strike fear into you? But there's more to that sound than what you're actually hearing. And Mike, yeah, go for right. that, Mike. Yeah, um, they actually on the show, uh, two things. They show that uh, they show infrasound was found in one of the calls. And so infrasound specifically is any frequency below 20 hertz. Uh -huh. 20 hertz is the lowest threshold that the human ear uh, can yes. hear. Correct. So it may still be there, but we can't, we can't actually hear it. Um, a lot of times you can feel it uh, and not hear it. Um, and, and so one of those calls they showed on a spectrogram that the frequency did go below 20 hertz. So they knew they had mm -hmm. infrasound. I believe in one of the panel interviews, of, of the cast, um, I, Dr. Maria probably was the one that said, there are no known North American animals that use infrasound. So any recording of infrasound is significant from an animal in North America. Obviously tigers and, and zoos and things like that, you, you have to discount that. Any right. known animal that's that's in North America. So, wow. so infrasound, um, is a lot of the reports that you hear when, um, say, uh, if, if someone is confronted by a, a Bigfoot, it'll bellow at them or scream or roar, or whatever you want to call it. And and the power from that, that call in and of itself can be terrifying, um, obviously based on the reaction of the people. But uh, it, the infrasound in particular you know, we're, we're, we aren't that far from the caves ourselves mm. and we're hardwired to protect ourselves. That infrasound can, can be hardwired into us that we're in grave danger. Mm -hmm. You got to get fight or flight, right? It, you got to either beat feet or you got to fight and you're going to be fighting for your life. Um, and, and I think that is why so many of these people appear to have uh, very, very clear signs of trauma. Um, as they're telling, mm -hmm. as you listen to these people tell these stories, you hear their breathing get heavy, labored, mm -hmm. increased heart rate. I mean, they're, they, they take deep sighs, breathing hard, things like that. They'll even say, I'm sorry, I got to take a minute. I got to, 
Uh, this is really hard to get through. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The trauma that they've been through, I don't know what they saw. I don't know if it's really a Bigfoot. I don't know if Bigfoot's real or not. I know these people have been through trauma. PTSD. They thought they were going to yeah, die. Sure. Yep. And, and they have been absolutely traumatized. Even combat veterans are saying, look, what you have to understand is I was trained for combat. I, yeah, I was scared, but but I knew what to do. Training kicked in, and I did what needed to be done. I was absolutely terrified. This is a different level, order of magnitude more uh, terror when this this you get hit with this sound. the The tricky part about infrasound is because we can't hear it. the The theory again is that that's it. It can be there if you if it gets if it bellows at you but it doesn't necessarily have to bellow at you to use infrasound. All it right. can make that low rumble um, without making other noises. And that can still have that same physiological effect on you. So people out in the woods suddenly get, um, get this, you know, all the hair on the back of their neck goes up. Um, they, they get terrified and infrasound often has lasting effect. It's not just the fight or flight instant reaction. People get sick, they get headaches, they get they get nauseous, they get, yeah, RPG in the first episode. Um, I don't know if everybody knows, but uh, Ronnie was not originally um, the, the guy that was going to be on the show. It was uh, Ryan was supposed to be on, and he ended up having uh, to be taken out in an ambulance, I believe. Yep. Yeah, they had to they had to take him. He the headache would not stop and they didn't really hear anything. Other than no. I think they heard some like rustling or whatever, you know, around that, but he got sick and he got this headache that would not stop. And yeah, he had to yeah. leave, uh, leave the scene. And uh, of course that's when they brought Ronnie in uh, at that yeah. point. But, yeah. And, and not that necessarily that, that, that means that, that he was hit with infrasound, right. but that, exactly. that's one of the, one of the symptoms that. he could have just had a severe migraine. I, we don't right. know, but, right. but it is curious given the, where they were, um, and the timing of it too. Um, so yeah, the, the infrasound is, is definitely, um, definitely something that, um, I, I think in the show, they went and saw a tiger and at one they point did. the tiger, yes, 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 the tiger yep. roared and everybody flinched. Even, right. even the tiger handler flinched when the <laughs> yeah. tiger gave that, that quick, um, bellow at the, at the guy yeah. kind of telling him to back off. It was not happy. So even though we may, may not be able to hear the infrasound, do we have a mechanism that senses it? And is that like a built-in survival mechanism? Or or is it used to stun and we can't handle the sound itself? Like well, how yeah, does it work? I, yeah, same thing. I, I think it's it's triggering your your um you know basic instinct. Mm -hmm. But but if that if it 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 can cause you to lock up in fear. I mean I, there are there are um indications from hunters that have, have witnessed um, Sasquatch hunting that they'll they'll use that infrasound and literally stun deer solid they'll walk up to them grab mm -hmm. them and walk away you know break their neck and, and walk away with them so yeah I, I think I think it's it's kind of one of the same it's still triggering that fear response um, can be to the point where you freeze and you can't move um, sure. so you're scared stiff that that saying comes from literally being scared so badly that you can't move or you're going to be maybe in a point where you just take off bolt running or mm -hmm. you start, you know, throwing hands, uh, fight or flight. Yep. So, yeah, there's a connection there for sure. Yep.
Yeah, exactly. And that's one of those things that you don't, and if it's, if you don't have that overlying noise, you know, like the, like the tiger, you know, it did that growl, but embedded yeah. in that growl, like you said, when they took that, that sound, they found that infrasound in it. They actually recorded that tiger and they were able to get the sound that we did hear, but also it had that infrasound yeah. in there that we didn't hear. And that's the part, not, I think both of them in that case, I think both sounds are what's going to cause that fear in you. Because even though there's a, there's, there's bars between you and that tiger, it still strikes that limit, that period of fear in you, you yeah. know, why, you know, you're protected that can't get to you. But it's instinctual, it. Jeff. It's completely, it, is. it truly yeah. is. You hear yeah. it and you, you go in the flight, you know, fight or flight, you're in yep. that instinct mode and it's going to stun you. It's built into the hardwiring of who you are. Yep. So the minute you, I mean, am I wrong on that, Mike? Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely correct. Yep. You know, yeah, and what so do you, what do you do with that? Interesting thing. Yep. Now take that a step further. They take some of these, um, they, they actually took the recording of, and again, you know, when, when you hear these recordings and people say, okay, we got a recording of Bigfoot, we're going to let you play it. Okay. Do we know for sure what Bigfoot sounds like? No. So they take these recording of what somebody said they heard, they had it analyzed and the people that are analyzing it are, you know, uh, animal sound experts. They could not identify it to be any particular animal. Now, as in coyotes or wolves or or anything that would make a howl like that, that they could nail down. So they take this recording, they go out. This was in it's been in several of the the episodes mm -hmm. or seasons of Expedition Bigfoot, but they play that sound. Now, to me, that's one of those things where at first when I'm watching them do this, I'm thinking, what do you what do you you know? How, you don't even know if that's Bigfoot. I mean, you're playing this sound, but yet they would play it and then wait for some sort of response to it the first time they did that in season one they played the sound very loudly in this canyon area and or you know in the woods canyon area and they waited and they got no response they waited a few minutes they played it again they got a response that was very similar to the sound that came from the speakers that they had recorded it was very similar to that same sound they did it again in season two they played it. And this time they also got like what they heard was like coyotes or other animals that were like kind of freaked out by it. But then also when they played it again, they got a repeat of a, a, a response back that sounded eerily similar to what they had just played. What do you think? What do you make of that? I mean, yeah, they, they did a good job of using um, calls that were from the region. I think that's hugely important. Yep. Um, there's, there's some very famous sounds called the Sierra sounds. Uh, Ron Moorhead recorded those back in the early seventies. Mm. Um, those have been heard, um, you know, all over the place, but, but that came from a completely different region. The fact that they were able to get, um, supposed calls or, or howls from Bigfoot from those locales, um, to me is why I think they, again, I, that's why I like this show. They, they, they go that extra mile. They didn't just play one of the Ron Moorhead sounds, the Sierra sounds. Right. They actually did the research and got a local sound and that got a, a response that was almost identical. <clears throat> so, um, so I think there's definitely something to the sounds. I, I will admit until recently, um, a lot of the, the Sierra sounds, um, when you hear those, I mean, you know, the, 
the uh, one of the other Bigfoot shows, Finding Bigfoot, um, uh, Bobo, that people, if anybody knows about Bigfoot, they know who Bobo is. Yep. He's got a really great Ohio howl. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. mm. yep. You know, but but that can be mimicked, right? I mean, he's right. doing it. He's he's a person. Um, the Sierra sounds, there's something called the samurai chatter. They have different names for the different types of sounds. I I felt like I was just gonna let that sit until I knew more, had more information, because I I to me it could just be somebody making the noises. Yep. Until just recently, when um, I've seen some of the audio analysis done by Thinker Thunker, and he's using uh, spectrogram analysis on the sounds, and um, he, he's what he's shown is in those in those Sierra sounds. There's a lot more structure to that than some guy who's had too many beers would have made if he's like, "Hey, hold, here, hold my beer. I'm going to make a Sasquatch sound." Yeah. Um, it's way more complex than I would have given it. So now I'm, I'm interested in those sounds. Um, and you know, you, I, I would, I'm going to get, um, some copies of those original sounds. You, you can get them from Ron Moorhead, um, for, for a small fee, but, uh, and put them into a spectrogram so that, that I can kind of start to play around with it hmm. a little bit and see, um, see what they're seeing and and why it looks different because that that's something I'm very interested in. So yeah. Mike is is the inference that these uh, Sierra sounds are intelligible that there's some sort of language going on there? Has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Has to be. Yeah, there there's um it, it's the the problem is it's very very fast. He what he did was he slowed it down and when it's slowed down you can start to hear breaks in the in the sound almost hmm. like if to to, to equate it to human speech, consonants and vowels. Yeah. You can hear that there's, there's, it's not just a continuous, I mean, yes, there's, there's howls that are just long and continuous, but there's this chatter that, uh, that, that has more structure to it. And, mm -hmm. and you can only, and I know this sounds odd to probably sounds odd, but you can only see that sound when it's in spectrogram where you spread the frequency, um, to there it shows you all of the uh the different frequencies from the human ear here's from 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz unless you mm -hmm. get a little older we can't hear quite the high range i can't at least um spreads the sound across that frequency hmm. and uh you can watch it over time and you can tell um that there's like i said there there's more structure to it than than it just being somebody making something up so I, yeah. i've got to look a lot more deep into that yeah and then it's like me i i can you you can how many of us have tried to mimic a particular animal like a cow moo or something like that or a chicken or whatever a, it may a be duck for a, a duck cat yeah. meowing like a cat yeah. okay you can you can mimic the sound but it in my opinion you're going to be you're going to sound like you're speaking a different language to that animal because you're not getting the syntax like cat just said you're not getting that so i can mimic the sound but the animal's probably looking at me what are you trying to do i mean you're yeah. not even you're, you're speaking a different language so you're you might get that sound co somewhat correct but you're not getting the the the, the things that are with embedded in the sound mm -hmm. you know it's, right. you talk about a a, a a a cow speaking to its calf that calf learns mama's sound. 
and it can find mama over a large period, a large. So there's something embedded in mama's sound, the cow's sound that the calf knows that that's its mother and it knows. And it, and it's, it's a language within that sound and you can mimic it all you want, but you're not going to get that language. So if somebody's trying to make that sound a person, I think they're going to know that, you know, the, the animals, the, the, yep. if it's Bigfoot, they're going to know it's that's so if you're, but if you record it and then you play back the recording, now you might be getting that syntax in there. I don't know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There there's folks, um, uh, Scottish wildland just mentioned it too. a linguist, um, analyze that, uh, the work for the military and he, he immediately heard that, that that was language. Um, hmm. so, so yeah, there's the, the sound analysis to me is, is really fascinating because yep. you can pretty quickly eliminate a lot of things when you see the sound, how the sound looks in spectrogram, um, by ear, you know, some people are pretty good at, at telling the difference between things. Um, I'm pretty good at, at just, you know, the local wildlife sounds around here, um, that am I, that I'm familiar with. But you put them into spectrogram, and boy, it's it's really hard to deny when something is is uh, a match, and it's it's easy to see when it's not a match, and that's some of the stuff that they do show a little bit of that sound analysis uh, in the in the show. Wow, yeah. Well, we exactly. we know dolphins have a series of whistles and clicks. And yeah. it's, it's a whole language to the dolphins. I have no idea what they're right. saying, but you know, <laughs> why, why couldn't yeah. other wildlife have that same type of intelligibility? Because yeah. if what you're saying is correct, then there is an intelligibility with syntax. I mean, that's, 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 that's upper level thinking. Yep. You know, if, if you have a, a complex language like that, um, there was another question, Jeff, I just wanted to throw it out there. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no empirical evidence of this, but were there any accounts of, of Sasquatch slash Bigfoot ever using any sort of telepathic ability? Uh, what have the accounts been? Have the Native Americans talked about it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk to us about that? I, the, the yeah. Um, so, so I, so spoiler alert, um, not, not on the show, but uh, I talked about Les Stroud. Um, that was one of the things that he was too afraid to put into the show for fear that it wouldn't get aired, um, is that, that, um, he heard a voice in his head. Uh, and so they, the, whether or not it's, it's on a spiritual level, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't claim to know as much about that side of things. Um, but there definitely seems to be a level of communication that can happen, um, whether it's telepathically. Um, I, I, I don't know what you call it, but um, he had a couple of instances where that's happened. Wow. And that, that does get reported from time to time. And I'm talking, you know, modern uh, references. Native Americans absolutely um, communicate with them um, more on a spiritual level. Yep. Uh, in, in, uh, I mean, it, the, the stories go back, like Jeff said, it goes back hundreds of years. So you can't discount that. Um, mm. you know, today, I, even he was, he was nervous. He came back and went to a, a psychiatrist to, to ask if he was schizophrenic or something. Cause he, he's like, I literally heard the voice in my head and they're like, now if, if the fact that you're worried about it, you know, means that you're not, 
um, you just had a very unique experience. Um, so uh, it just very, very interesting the the levels of communication, because clearly you hear lots of reports of this chatter. Um, it's a lot of times it's described as just being off far enough that you can't make out what someone you think it might be someone talking, but you can't make out the words. Mm -hmm. um, that that's actually happened um, recently on, on Skinwalker ranch. Um, yes. Eric Bard has mentioned that yes. he heard, heard somebody talking outside, just outside of the uh, uh, observation post where they built a, a new um, little, little fun house uh, with some electronic toys in it yeah. and go out and there's nobody there. Yeah. Um, I've heard that's, that happen with that's me. very common. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I've had that happen with me where I'm, I've heard uh, voices. Oh, I'm hearing voices. Uh, no, but I and I thought, oh, maybe it must be my phone. There must be something playing through my phone, and I don't know it. And mm -hmm. I and I, and no, it's not your phone. Your phone's not doing it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why am I hearing this? Yeah. But you know, you're completely alone, and there's no one around, mm -hmm. and yet you're hearing. And and then it's gone, and you just I don't know. I, what do you make of that? I don't know. It's that's really a, you know. And, and I think that, you know, we talked about this with the, in, when we were talking Skinwalker Ranch uh, type stuff is that we were talking about the fact that, you know, I think that over the many, many, many years of human evolution that we have dumbed ourselves down, we mm -hmm. used to be more in tune with nature. We used to be more in tune with with animals, other animals and things like that. Um, and, and I think that that over the years, things like this right here have dumbed us down. You know, we, we become more and more dependent upon our electronics and our gadgets and our, you know, appliances and things like this, that we're, that our sense of smell, all of our senses are being dumbed down to us to a degree where now we don't have that same perception with, I'm going to say mother earth that we used to, um, feeling the vibrations through our feet, being barefoot and walking on the ground. You could feel certain things through the ground. I mean, so many of these things we've lost over time because of modern technology and what we've done to, you know, and, and now we, we are very limited, I think, and our senses are very limited now than what they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. One, another thing I wanted to, to, we've touched on a lot of subjects and this is exactly what I wanted to get into here tonight. And there's been a really, a lot of good questions and comments yeah, from everybody out there. Questions. Right. I really, really do appreciate that so very much that you guys are enact, you're act, interacting with us and we're doing our best to try to keep up with a lot of it here. Uh, but one more thing I wanted to think uh, bring up on this was this right here. Now, um, I mean, I have, I have spent some time in the woods and I have created, a, I'm going to call it a fort or a, a habitat of some sort out in the woods. Um, and that's not to say that that uh, this is a picture from Expedition Bigfoot uh, when uh, Russell Accord came upon a structure. Mm -hmm. Now we know that animals create some structures, but most of the time it's, it's a structure that's made by just laying things on top of. Now we know birds like to take, Jeff is hearing voice. Yes, thank you, Arla. <laughs> 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 um, that, that animals will make some sort of like a, a bird making a nest. Now, a bird uses its beak to actually feather or, or, or interact, you know, intertwine the foliage in, you know, or the sticks into making a, a nest of some sort. Um, but he came upon this, and this is something that he found. Here's another picture of it, and there's Russell standing over here looking at it. Now, 
what do you think of something like this? If you came upon something like this in the woods, immediately I'm going to think, okay, somebody's been out here and they've made themselves a little structure. A weave. Yes. Thank you, cat. It's weaved together. It's been all weaved. A beaver mm -hmm. makes a beaver dam. Yeah. And they, so what do you think about something making a structure this big out in the woods? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, actually, I think this was what uh, Dr. Maria said she was uh, most impressed with in season one uh -huh. um, when they went through at the end of the season, kind of did the recap. Um, even though the eDNA for this came back as just normal animals, it doesn't mean, again, that there wasn't something there. Um, there was just a there was just a Wall Street Journal article about Bigfoot and how more academics um, or people that are specialized in fields are are kind of closet squatchers. You know, they they're interested in it. And one of them said specifically, and it was it was a uh, person that worked at a zoo, trainer for um, large gorillas, um, took care of them, and had been out in the woods and saw something like this and realized it was identical to what they watched the great lowland ape create in, in confinement. And they're like, they, they said, I realized that no one would know that unless they were a primate specialist mm -hmm. or they worked like I did in a zoo. There are these fine details that experts know and know, know what to look for that when they see it, they're like, oh my gosh, uh, there's something to this. Something's going on. So, so, you know, this one, there's, there's other tree structures uh, that they found in season one. The one um, that was all just uh, broken, broken limbs. It really wasn't very tall. It was, it was a little bit more elaborate, but that's the one that they took eDNA off of mm, and yes. UCLA lab came back with chimpanzee DNA. Yeah. In chimpanzee in Kentucky. Exactly. Uh, no. Dr. Maria said that created a bit of a stir at, at UCLA <laughs> yeah. um, because that's not supposed to be, that's not supposed to happen. That's right. Um, so, so it's funny because that, that structure, the other structure, um, as I was going back through the, the episodes at various points, my kids were coming through and they're like, well, we could make that. I'm like, yeah, you could, but you couldn't do it and get chimpanzee DNA on it. You know, um, later on, they, they do find, I, I think, you know, in, in season three, there's, there's structures that are far too complicated or far too difficult. Yes. It yes. still could be we'll made by humans. Yes. They, yeah. they could always be made by humans. Right. But That's some true. of them would yes. literally take equipment to get out there. You'd have to have lifts. The stuff is too heavy, too high, that type of stuff. So, so this in particular, um, very interesting. You know, some people would say, well, it doesn't look like it's all that big. I mean, Russell's standing right there. He just barely fit in it. I, I don't know. It seems like sometimes the structures, um, you almost wonder if it's younger ones imitating what the parents are making. Uh -huh. And it's almost like a dollhouse kind of thing or a doghouse. Yep. It, yep. It's just a smaller version of what they see their parents make. Um, because there's different, different, sizes and different shapes and sometimes they look like this sometimes you know tree breaks are a little bit different than nests um too and and you know it's just it's there's a lot of theories around the tree breaks and what they mean as a communication mm. things like that nests are pretty straightforward i mean it's obviously meant for them to um to be safe in and sleep in 
Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's, that's why, again, I, I really I like the fact that they're using eDNA to try and catch some information. They did on right. the one um, on the on the tree structure, um, but it's just a matter of time before they use that eDNA. It gets better and better all the time. Right. And hopefully someday there'll be just enough left over that they'll find something. Yep, exactly. And that's you talk about the tree breaks, and that's a very interesting point, especially when they find these tree breaks six foot off the ground, six foot up the tree or seven feet up the tree. Um, most, you know, if a human's out there, if I'm out there doing this and I want to make a little structure because I'm going to spend the night out in the woods, I'm going to break it off much lower to the ground. I'm not going to break it off six feet up. Um, and then yeah. they find some of them that, you know, there's several trees in an area that are broken off at that height. And, you know, in, in the woods. Now, you, you know, I've seen, you know, trees broken from, from ice storms and the ice hanging so heavy in them, it's broken mm -hmm. off trees and stuff and snapped them. Yes. Windbreak. Yep. Wind breaks, but you're going to find those, you know, on basically on the edges of the woods, not in the center of the woods, surrounded by trees that are completely fine um, in most cases. So if you've got one that's broken off or several of them that are broken off at seven feet up in the air, what in the world is going on with that? Who would have been able to break off something, first of all, that high up off the ground, you know, and, and yep. why would you bother? So, again, yep. it's and then you find, you know, the ones that are bent down and then bent into another one and then another one. So it made like a, like a, the, the basically the structure of a, of a teepee or a hut mm -hmm. where they bent them down and locked them into each other. So they create that dome effect. Again, yeah. an animal yeah, they, is not going to do that. And they do a good animal. job. They do a good job of of. Uh, there are some that they're like, oh, this could be this could be tree fall. And they look at the base um, mm -hmm. when when they see these broken limbs. They look at the base. Is it broken at the trunk? Is it is it actually in the ground? Is is it just snapped at the bottom of the ground? Because right. that could have been just about anything. But when they find one and they're all breaks that are even some are some fresh breaks mm -hmm. and there's nothing around where it would have come from something has gone and collected this and brought it um, to specifically create the structure yep um what they're for i don't know yeah yeah i don't know either it's it, very very interesting and uh you know so i you know again uh, the, you know put the show together because i wanted to to explore this whole thing and as i told you in the beginning i'm a skeptic and i really want to you know, talk with people like Mike and John and, and explore these things to see what I can find out. There's a group here. There's a couple groups down here in Florida. Uh, Tim and Wynette um, have a, uh, a Turner, have a good uh, website, uh, Facebook group page that I've joined. Uh, there's another one. It's called Mid Florida Bigfoot Group that's down here as well. Um, and I've joined those. And I'm at some point, Tim and Wynette, they've offered to come and, and have me meet up with them and go out into the, the woods and show me around a little bit of what they're doing. And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm going to record and I'm going to have them eventually come on the show here with us and kind of get what they, what they, uh, what they believe and, and hear from them of things that they've now down here in Florida, they call it skunk ape. Uh, that's, that's the, the terminology they use rather than Bigfoot. That's the terminology they use for Bigfoot down here is skunk mm -hmm. ape. Now, you know, people have talked about that smell, that, awful rotting meat or whatever smell that they seem to 
you know, associate with the presence of a Bigfoot or when Russell, when he walked through, there was times where he picked up that smell for just a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, I mean, you think about an animal that's, you know, I mean, wh what do you make of the smell real quick? And then we'll kind of yeah. cover that real fast. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Russell, Russell says his superpower is his, his nose. Um, he's got a really good nose. So the smell, um, I will say that the smell is not consistent. Hmm. It does not happen all the time. Um, and so again, that, uh, I think Dr. Maria has mentioned that, that, that could be, um, glandular. It could be something that's secreted by the Bigfoot, depending on what's going on. Are they scared? Um, are they, are they, you know, fearful or are they angry? Um, that, that it could be something that, that they produce um, on demand kind of thing. Um, but it is not 100%. Um, in fact, I would put it on a lower percentage, maybe 30 or 40% of the reports do they report that smell. Um, but but I will say that the smell is described pretty consistently. Um, rotting meat, wet dog, you hear terms like that over and over and over and over. Right. Um, skunk. Um, you know, it's kind of in that, and, and sometimes people struggle a little bit. They'll say it's kind of like a skunk or, you know, a skunk that, or a wet dog that's been hit by a skunk and, you know, but, but it's all, all fairly consistent, um, in, in what they're describing. It's just not something that it's every single Bigfoot they, they come across. People don't always, and I, you know, it could be that, <laughs> that they're so afraid that they didn't even notice the smell. Maybe, maybe it is, I don't know, but in the the stories that i've listened to it's not every single one yep yeah robot i don't think so i think i think trail cams are a deterrent i think they see them yep um, I do too. But they either see the light because it's infrared and they can see an infrared or they sense the electronics in some way shape or form that like i said i go back to that patterson gimlin film those guys didn't have electronics in 1967 they had a mechanically operated spring-loaded camera. That's mm -hmm. how those movie projectors or movie cameras were run. It was mechanically. It didn't have batteries back then. So, um, so yeah, I think trail cams are better at, at uh, deterring than they are actually catching. Um, so, yeah. Good, Mike, good, great questions. Mike, there's been a couple of questions about uh, Bigfoot and, and the sighting of orbs. Um, yes. is that, is yes. there a correlation there? And can you talk about yes. that correlation? And, you know, we can only go by observation. What have people reported? Yep. <laughs> Man, the questions are fantastic. I this know. Is, <laughs> they I, really are. I mean, it's come up when like we, five times in the chat. How long can we go on? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a so, little time. Left. Yeah, we, we got, got time. So, so, so Exhibition Bigfoot, they see lights. Mm -hmm. Um, they do see lights in, in the forest. Um, that there was that one that I mentioned, the, the thermal image just on the other side of the waterway, the creek. Um, and there were, there were little smaller heat signatures floating up from the, the bigger heat signature. And then it eventually just fades out to nothing. So I can tell you that what, uh, Wes Germer, who has Sasquatch Chronicles, what he says is more people see lights than see Bigfoot. Now lights can, I, I, I again, I, and big on terminology and making sure we're clear on, on things. Orbs means many things to many people. Um, I think in when we're talking about about Bigfoot orbs, 
tend to be fairly small, smaller than like a beach ball, sometimes as small as a quarter and low to the ground, but they're seen a lot. In fact, uh, like I said, on, on Sasquatch Chronicles, initially um, he was not including when people would say, yeah, and then I saw this strange light. Um, he, he wouldn't include that because it wasn't Sasquatch. So, so why would he put that in the show? People listen to the show to hear about Sasquatch. But he was uh, he was mentored by John Bendernagel, Dr. John Bendernagel, who was a, a, a naturalist from uh, Canada. And he said, you're you can't pick what data you look at. That's what that's what the bad skeptics. That's what Mike West does. They pick what data they want to talk about and they eliminate the stuff that they they don't want to talk about. You can't do that. So report everything. All data could be important. And yes, absolutely. There are lights, orbs. Um, they can be different colors. Um, I've heard anything from like a blue, a white, um, sort of an amber. Um, typically more so the amber color seems like, or a reddish kind of maybe yep. amber. Yep. Um, and and sometimes, um, well, again, Les Stroud saw one for like 15 minutes. Wow. Um, it, so... So again, when I know people sometimes maybe hear the interdimensional thing and they, they roll their eyes or something, but you know, what, what are it, when, when you're seeing those orbs so consistently with, in conjunction with, with Bigfoot sightings, what does that mean? What are those? Are they, are they related? Hard to say. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Again, another, another piece of the puzzle that we're still missing Right. that we don't know, but lights are very common when we're talking about experiences uh, related to Bigfoot. Right. Yeah. They've had, they've had several occasions on the show when yeah. they've saw that. And, and then there was this one here. They're I'm in the deep the woods. What's that? And they're in deep woods and they, yeah. and they were oh, seeing yeah. lights through the trees. Yeah. yeah. And they're not, there's no houses or cars or anything around. They're out in the middle of nowhere, literally nowhere. And they're seeing these things. Um, here's a, here's a, I'm going to show this one real quick. Now, this was Dr. Maria Mayer and she uh, saw these. Now I'm going to, she said eyes and I'm going to zoom in. Now this is when, now you see the red lighting and they were using uh, a, a light stick that put out a red, a light, a red light. Um, and so um, that's, that's why you see this hue, but, uh, and I'm going to zoom in here and I've got a better picture. I'm going to show you in just a second. And you see those right there. Now, you know, and if, if any of you have seen an animal at night when you're driving down the road and you see an animal either on the road or on the side of the road and you get that eye shine, that's the light reflecting on the back of the eye that you're seeing shine mm -hmm. straight through and you're seeing. And generally, it's going to be the color of the light that's shining on them. Generally, white light from your headlights of your car or something like that or a flashlight. They had red lights, and that's why these happen to show up red. And you see those eyes right there. Now, the next one, they kind of highlighted it. Now, you see where how high that is. up. And like I said, like, like Mike just said, they're out in the middle of nowhere. There are mm -hmm. no houses around. There are no cars. There are no roads around where they have gone way off the beaten path. That's not a car. You see how high off the ground those are. I mean, would that not freak you the heck out if you saw something <laughs> like that in the woods? And that wasn't very far from them. No. That was wow. I mean, 
what do you what do you think? If an owl, so, yes, and it could have been an owl. Could have been. Yeah, could have been. It, you never yeah. know. We don't know the, what that was, but so the eye shine. I'll say that the 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 part that I'm still kind of not sure about. Um, so eye shine is reported, of course, quite a bit. Um, it's it's typically red. Um, sometimes it's it's amber, but it's typically red. Um, <clears throat> and the blood on some, the back of the eye that's picking up. Yeah, um, Dr. Moran explains that it's you know nocturnal animal, animals have a have a layer. But here's the here's the part that I'm not sure about is because there's too many reports that are too consistent that it's not eye shine, and these are usually typically reports coming from hunters that know what eye shine is. Mm-hmm. because they're hunters and they see it all the time they're saying absolutely not there was no light source there was nothing that could have generated that light they were self-luminating yep and, yep. and i'm paraphrasing self-luminating but but essentially that's what they're saying mm-hmm. i i don't know what that is i don't know what that means um i don't know why that would be but there's too many reports to say that that it's just eye shine and maybe because Bigfoot's somewhat nocturnal, um, it's just that reflective layer that that you see in cats and coyotes and even deer. You see that, so um, that that part concerns me a little bit. There was one reporter I remember very specifically where the person said it turned and looked at them. They could see see the body. They don't typically turn. They can't turn their neck. They turn their entire torso, and as it turned, they watched the color of the eyes go from dark to yellow to amber to deep red and then all they could see was the red eyes they could no longer see the shadow of the body anymore um it's almost like and i hate to say this but it's almost like something is being turned on and and there is it aiding their ability to see i don't know like i said i there's clear indications that they see infrared there was a a report of a, a special forces um with a had a on their assault rifle had an IR light and night vision goggles. And they saw something um, sort of lift up out of, out of the brush and he flipped on his, his IR light. And as soon as he did the, the Sasquatch did that. And he's like, that, that, that shouldn't have just happened. I, that that's because this is military grade IR light. You Hmm. know, it's, it, it's in infrared humans shouldn't see that. If that's a bad guy, why did he just react to my infrared light? Um, there's a, a few other stories that I've heard too that have give strong indication they can see IR, or at least in yeah. some level, maybe wow. maybe near IR, um, kind of like the the cameras on Skinwalker Ranch. They they see uh-huh. a little bit into the infrared, just enough to make it different. Um, but yeah, eye shine that that was pretty impressive, uh, regardless if it was an animal or a Bigfoot, it, it, that was close. That was close. Yep. So, so, so Mike, oh, oh, well, kinda, are we saying that the eyes on these creatures are uh, self-illuminating? Uh, is that the suggestion that's, here? That's that's what is being suggested by some of the hunters when they see them. Again, it, it's, it's not every single report, obviously, but in the reports where um, it's, it's either at night or dark, um, a lot of times they will say, and some of them are very specific. They're like, this was not eye shine. I know this was not eye shine. There were no lights. It was pitch dark. The moon was 
you know, the, the cloud cover, there was no moon cloud cover. Um, I could barely see my face in front of my hands and these were lit up. I, multiple, multiple stories like what, that. What, what creatures do that? Are, are there known I, creatures? And no. And Jeff, I'm, all, I'm, I'm reflecting back to the devil dog of Oak Island. Yeah. There, there, there was that whole legend about dogs that have yep. these glowing red eyes. And now you may right. have other creatures right. with this self-illuminating eye structure. You know, how is that even possible? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's uh yeah and you hear we've heard how many times have we heard stories like that over the years we've heard it many many times um glowing red eyes on an animal yes. or something like that and you just can't well the whole legend you know. of mothman jeff yeah yeah, yeah exactly. mother, the glowing red eyes i mean that's yeah. that kind of a motif that repeats itself mm -hmm. you know and there must be something yeah. to it if these if certain people are observing it and you know yeah, like observing this glowing Ahead, yeah, man. like I said, there seems to be a lot of crossover in certain in certain things like that. Whether you're talking Dogman or Mothman, or you know, I mean, it, there's there's some commonality between and or or Skidwalker, a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what if it was a Bigfoot that that is shapeshifting into Dogman and or something else? You know, is it one capability that is, but the the form is changing? I I don't know. I mean, I'm just spitballing but um but there's definitely enough reports uh that i've heard that they're saying that they're adamant it it was self-eliminated wow yeah no oh, that's true right there jan for sure bugs have yeah bioluminescence yep. yeah there's bioluminescence um you know lighting bugs and i know there's sea creatures that can do that too jellyfish do that yeah Some there you go species of jellyfish bioluminescent yep yeah exactly wow I tell you what, this is this is definitely a, wow. a deep subject, and we're we're going to continue with working on this and uh, and digging into it deeper. Um, as I said, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to dive in. We'll be talking about season one and two still as we go along, but we're going to really dive into uh, season three. And uh, the three of us here are going to go through each and every episode in depth on season three because I think it was a fantastic season. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. of discoveries and, and evidence. Like Mike mentioned earlier, they've collected a lot of evidence. We still have no proof, but they've collected a lot of evidence. Yeah. Um, we could do a whole show on the Patterson-Gimlin footage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, oh, yeah. I didn't realize until I read uh, Dr. Meldrum's book, that is one of the most well-documented sightings. They, they, got, they got many, many casts from uh from that incident um so they they there's a lot of and and the interesting part with of course dr meldrum because he is a um his specialty is bipedal evolution so he knows very well what to look for in footprints and he honestly doesn't doesn't care for the pristine footprints that doesn't tell him a story it's the no. footprints where the, the creature's looking over its shoulder, turning, moving. He can see bone structure that can't be faked by wow. the average person. You'd have to have his level of knowledge of bipedal feet and the evolution of the foot and how we got to how we are today. Yeah. And our foot is different than theirs. Um, it can do things, their foot can do things that ours cannot um, that, that make it, uh, it's just impossible in my mind that that footage could have been faked 
they they didn't have elastic clothing back in 1967. Right. It it was like carpet. And you can see muscle underneath. Yeah, um, that was the thing that got me. You could see the muscle people. movement under the skin, under the fur. So I think I think there's enough analysis at this point that it is something. Um mm -hmm. I I don't I don't know, you know, if we'll, we'll ever get to the final answer, but uh it certainly wasn't fake. No, I don't think that so. That is real footage. But again, that's that's one of those things that just grabs me and said and drags yep. me into this going, um, you know, what is uh what is it? Could it possibly be true that a that a Bigfoot does exist? Um, and like I said earlier, when we started this show tonight, that's why I'm doing this show because I want to talk to people like John and Mike and others and bring them on this show and talk to you folks out there. I know there's folks out here that have had experiences. And I'm going to encourage you to call in or come on the show with us. Contact me. My email address is down below. It's jfree906 at gmail.com. Contact me. Let me know that you would like to share your story. If you'd like to do it through Discord, you can do it through Discord. So you do not have to be on camera. I can make it just like a phone call uh, with, through Discord. And that is also linked down below, the, our Discord channel. And, um, and then we're going to share it there. We also have our... Uh, beyond our world facebook page which is also linked there that's john and i and there's uh you've got a couple moderators that are helping mm -hmm. with that absolutely um that are going through and that's a place where like minds can discuss these things if you join and you're just going to come in there and be a skeptic and throw all the you know don't bother because you will not be staying long um, this is a place for people to share ideas thoughts and experiences and truly try to get to the bottom of this particular subject. Does Bigfoot truly exist? And will we ever get the evidence? That's what this is all about. So join us there in the Facebook. Join us in our, YouTube, or our Discord channel. And join us here every Thursday night now. So I'm, I'm locking you in, Mike. I know there will probably be some Thursdays <laughs> that you can't do this. Yeah. But we're going to try to do this every Thursday night for the next couple months. We're going to be doing a show. Uh, it may only be an hour long. It may go two hours, like tonight's an hour and 45 already. But we're going to take this a little further, and we're going to discuss this. And we're going to look at other crypt, you know, cryptid as well. Um, what's the definition of a cryptid? It's not talking about some sort of a, a, a creature that walks on two legs, or does it? It encompasses any creature that we have no actual proof yet of its existence, right? You know, did, yep. I, did I do yep. that right? Did That's I correct. That right? That's it. Okay, so we're going to talk about other ones as we go along, and we are going to break down every episode of that, of season three. When season four comes out, which I think is coming up here pretty soon. I think uh, so. We're in Alaska. We're going to break down season four as right after each episode, we're going to break those down as well. And hopefully we'll have people like Dr. Maria Mayer and Russell and uh, Ronnie and hopefully Bryce and hopefully Jeff Meldrum coming on the show and joining us to hear from them. That will be exciting, won't it? I mean, come on. That would and, be phenomenal. I'd love, driver, awesome. man. I'd love to get him to come on. That's We'll have to try and see what we can do. So spread the word, folks. Let them know that this is a place where you can come and share your ideas, share your experiences. And we hope that more of you would come and join us. Hey, last thoughts as we wrap up tonight's show, guys. Uh, a lot more to uh, explore. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely get done yeah. yeah it's uh it's a it's a fascinating topic um i i don't know if bigfoot's real or not 
but there's a lot of data out there. And, and that's really Jeff, when we, when you uh, were headed out there and I said, Hey, you got to really look into this. What, what I was trying to get across was I had already amassed a lot of information based on listening on these, these accounts uh, on Sasquatch Chronicles. And there's, and as I learn more, there's just, there's, if you don't believe in Bigfoot, you haven't taken the time to look at some of the data that's out there, some of the evidence that, that is out there, how difficult it is to fake any of this. It's been going on for centuries. So um, let's take a little bit closer look at this and see what's really going on. Um, exactly. So I'm happy to share any data that I've got. Um, and uh, hopefully folks find it interesting and maybe we'll learn something from them. But the questions tonight yeah. have been phenomenal. Yeah, they really have been. And I love that. That's the part I really, really enjoy really? is to hear from everybody in chat, you know, and and because we really, we value your opinions and uh, and your experiences. So join and, and join us every week at Thursday, Thursday night, 730, and we'll talk about it some more. And I really appreciate all of you uh, been here. If you like the content of our show tonight, give us a thumbs up. It helps out with the algorithms and YouTube. So that more people, they'll produce, they'll promote the show more out there in YouTube world and more people will get to see it as well. So if you like it, give us a thumbs up uh, and uh, like and subscribe, of course, and uh, all of that. And uh, we really appreciate everybody. Eva, thank you very much. I appreciate that, Eva. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm getting I'm getting some messages already. I see some messages coming up here. I'd like to be on your show. So <laughs> I've got some people popping up over here and, uh, on the Facebook side that are already <laughs> saying they'd like to come and join us. So we'd love to hear your stories. And uh, this is where you can share it. John Edwards, thank you so much. Mike, phenomenal job. Thank you, sir. And uh, we're going to do this again. Be here next week, folks. Uh, tomorrow night, also, I've got another show going on tomorrow night, and it's going into the treasure hunting and metal detecting world. Uh, Donna McCauley can't make it. She has to go to a funeral. Something happened in her family, and so she will not make it. But we will have um, uh, Gypsy Jules will be here with us and uh, Mark Hoover. Uh, who is a metal detectorist here in Florida, and also Matt Howell, who was looking for the Cornwall cache of Cornwallis on Beyond Oak Island. He'll be here with us too. So we got three great treasure hunters coming on. That's tomorrow night, 7.30, right here at JFree906. We hope you guys have a great night. Again, thank you, everyone. And we'll catch you next time right here on JFree906 Podcast. Good night, everyone. <laughs>